I tell you, I'm absolutely excited to be here. I've got a lot to share. Uh, Steve, you look like you've uh, been up for 30 hours, man. <laughs> so Actually I hope longer than that. Okay. Well, um, you know, I have a. I know that you and I want to chat, but I have a couple of options. Oh, someone said I'm clipping. So let me turn the audio down a little. Just so everyone that, that doesn't know me, my name is Todd Cochran. Uh, first and foremost, I'm the host of the Geek News Central podcast at geeknewscentral.com. I'm also the co, well, one of the hosts of the new media show at newmediashow.com and also the CEO of Raw Voice, which is the parent company of Blueberry. We are known for the PowerPress plugin, which is, uh, I would hopefully say powering most of the podcasters that are on the show tonight or watching, but, um, so anyway, uh, I am uh, 10 years, 11 months, and 20 days. I'm sh- just a little bit short, Steve, of 11 years of podcasting. Isn't that crazy? You know, it sh- really shows how time flies. And uh, especially, you know, it's like getting older. The older you get, the faster the time goes. And it's also true with a passion that you have that when you're so involved with it and love it so much that the years just click by. Oh, it's it's absolutely amazing. And in and, and you know, I think what I'll do is I think I'll go ahead and fire through this thing. And, and there's a lot of great tidbits in it. I think it'll bring home a lot of the stuff that you guys have been trying to talk about. And don't anyone go to bed. It's early. You can you can sleep when you're dead. All right. No one goes home. Stay here to the end with us. <laughs> but um, for, yeah, don't Nick, who cares? You got to work. You caught caffeine, baby. Caffeine. So. um what I think I'll do is it's been an incredible journey. This, this past 11 years, podcasting has been rocking and rolling. It's, it's nuts. But at the same time, what a future that we have. I, I, I can't be more excited at this point to be a content creator. I really can. And, and I think it's going to be an absolute awesome time uh, for podcasters as they start to, as this space really starts to blow off. And, you know, I think about the thousand and sixty-three episodes, the the uh, hundred now new media show episodes we've done, about a thousand interviews that I've done at events like CES. It just seems like yesterday that I started this, and you know, and I did this math thing where I figured out that I'd been sitting in this chair seventy-two hundred hours doing my show, and three hundred and three that equals three hundred and three total days. You know, I don't know. Every podcaster ter- cherishes their listener and their audience comments, but my audience is my family. They're my ohana, and it's a word here in Hawaii that is really sacred. Ohana is like you know, uh, it's, it's truly your brother and your mother and your grandparent. And so, my family have always treated them like the ohana, and they have come through for me so many times. You know, I, I've gotten over 22,000 listener comments over the years of my show, 800 plus audio comments. And I've been very fortunate enough that my, that my show has been downloaded, uh, millions of times and actually over 150 million times in the, uh, in the 10 plus years that I've been doing a show. But this journey, um, every podcaster has a journey and they have a point where they decide they want to be able to commit and be able to put some product together that is going to reach an audience and, and in, inspire them and have passion. And when I started this journey, I really had no idea what it was going to, what was going to be involved. And so what I really wanted to talk about was, you know, this journey, the engagement, 
the mistakes that I made so that those folks that are listening will not think that this is all easy. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the money, talk about the present, the future, the history of, of podcasting a little bit. You know, and, and we really have to go back to the genesis to start that Dave Weiner and Adam Curry, without those two, we would not be here in the form we are tonight. And uh, those of you that say, who the hell is you just talking about? Well, Adam Curry's a podfather. Dave Weiner should be equally as representative of being the podfather. Those two guys with the RSS spec and, and Adam Curry coming up with the first podcatcher, that really kicked things off. And what really my start, my journey began in a hotel room. I was prior active duty. Uh, Steve, you know this already. I had gotten hurt in 2004. I got assigned to a desk. And uh, um, when you're assigned to a desk, you, it's the military looks frowns upon that. They, they say, what are, okay, what are you doing for me today? They don't care what you've done in the last 20 years. So I had to find a job and job quick. And they sent me to Texas and I babysitted airplanes and was doing contract enforcement. But I had broken my back and I was in one of those body clamshells. So in Texas in uh, October, it's still like a hundred degrees. And every day I would just like soak this thing through and through. So I was staying a lot of time, spent a lot of time in the hotel room on the internet. And I heard about this thing called podcasting. And so I said, I can do it too. And I went over to Walmart and got a lab tech headset and made every mistake in the book. I played ACDC in the beginning intro of my song, of my first show. <laughs> but, you know, I had this great, um, response the audience just went straight up and at the day in those days there was no Libsyn there was no Blueberry there was no Spreaker and by the way we do want to thank all the sponsors of this event you know that's what's making this thing happen you know to do an interlude here International Podcast Day would like to thank the Platinum Sponsors Podcaster Paradise our gold sponsor App Identity Spreaker and our silver sponsor Simple Podcast Press Ringer and scatter, scatter Radio, without their support, we all know the International Podcast Day would not be possible. So find about all their discounts and everything they've got available and check their services out at internationalpodcastday.com forward slash supporters. But we all need sponsors. <laughs> and my show was no different. But what really was amazing was this great audience growth at the very beginning. And I should have prefaced a little bit when I, before I was a podcaster, I was a blogger. And I wasn't a great blogger. And when I started podcasting, I wasn't a very good podcaster. But at the same time, the the actual audience just went absolutely straight up. And um, and we had trouble staying online because there just wasn't enough bandwidth available. We, you know, we we didn't have the, the ability to easily publish shows, so it was a big struggle in the beginning. Um, those were some of the earlier challenges, but in December of 2004, Wiley Publishing reached out to me and said, do you want to write a book on podcasting? And as I'd said just a few minutes ago, I wasn't a great blogger and they wanted me to write a book on podcasting. And I kind of laughed and I replied, the email I sent back was, you got to be shitting me. And that was the exact words I used to a person I didn't even know from Wiley. And they replied back. Uh, nicely saying, yeah, we're not shitting you. We want you to do that. So um, thus started the process to write the first book on podcasting, which was released in March of 2004. But there's a story about that. On episode 69 of my show, I announced the book. And at that time, there was not hardly any shows. I don't think any shows at that point that were getting sponsored. It was all this pure 
content. The advertisers had not shown up yet. And um, so when my audience found out that I had taken money to write a book, it was like this outrage. They weren't happy for me. They were like abusive. And I lost 50% of my audience on episode 69. And I kind of thought to myself, what is up with this? Because my plan from the beginning was to be able to figure out how to make money because my wife had given me a two-year deadline to get going and to make this happen. And um, I really truly learned on episode 69 who the true family members of my show were, who my friends were. And from that point forward, my attitude changed a little bit in how I created the content and how I approached things and disclosure and everything that went along with learning about you know, finding that balance between the money part and the show part. And, um, and I think I've th- basically thread that needle so far pretty good since then. Um, in July of, uh, uh, 2005, GoDaddy reached out and uh, sponsored my show, solved the money problem for the two years from my wife saying this thing has to make money. And, uh, off we went to the races. And what really kind of was the genesis of raw voice starting was, GoDaddy rep asking me if they knew if I wanted it, if I knew of anyone else that wanted to run advertising. And uh, Steve, this is you know Tech Podcast was started at that time. We'd already been going about seven months because we started in January of '05. When did you come in? That was uh, 2007. So you came in '07. So we'd been going a couple of years when you came in, but the first sponsorship stuff come started coming in and and again in July, August of uh, 2005. So this ability to grow an audience of my show become a struggle because um, everyone was getting in the space. And right now you would say this, the space is just as flooded as ever. So I looked at alternative ways to build my audience. The, the growth was still good, but I wanted a way to kind of kickstart it a little bit and give a little, little extra boost. And for those of you who don't know, I do a tech show uh, twice a week. And um, so we, I basically, Annie McCaskey, which is a, a podcast that used to do SDR News, um, and another gentleman and I, we went to CES, a consumer electronics show, and walked around the floor with uh, microphones and interviewed vendors, and we very quickly understood it was a video medium and came back in following years and did video. But let me just tell you, this was my way to bridge a gap and build audience because what we were able to do is we were able to reach new folks. We were doing these interviews, and at the same time, hey, by the way, check out my show at geeknewcentral.com. Our regular content was continuing, but we are sliding in this content from CES, and uh, it really caused the audience at that point to really, to really, really grow. And um, so I really uh, want you guys to think about when you are looking to grow your audience, you have to find a way to bring them extra content. You may do an interview show. You may do a topicality show. But if you're in that grind of just doing episodes every week, that is not enough. You have to find a way to find little extra content to feed the beast. Uh, blogging, being able to go to an event where your audience is going to be wanting to hear from. In other words, you're going to have to go where, get some extra content and put up. That's going to help you grow organically, grow your audience without, and do it in a good way and become involved. In the, and at the same time, you make all these great connections at those events. Um, so, you know, use events that are associated with your content to get interviews or to talk about vendors. For us, it was this uh, gift they kept on giving because not only did we talk to them at the show, we would talk to them when their product was actually released and then 
we would be in their list the next year. They would say, hey, we got some new products coming out. Would you like to get access to them or would you like early look and, and interview? So it just kept feeding, it kept feeding our shows. So for me going to CES every year, and this year we're going to be taking about 20 to CES from a team from Tech Podcasts and we'll do 250 interviews on the show floor and have a great time doing it. Um, it's like a big homecoming for us. We, uh, we work hard. We play hard. Um, it's a fun week. We all leave exhausted and have 250 videos to, to edit and we get home, but it really great brings great content to our audience that they wouldn't get otherwise. So I want to back up just a little bit. Um, talk about my episode 200. So on the day I was scheduled to do episode 200, and this is going to go back and talking about the, your family, your, your listeners that are listening to your shows. On episode 200, about three o'clock in the afternoon, episode 300 is going to be recorded at eight o'clock in the evening. About three o'clock in the afternoon, my phone rang and, uh, it was my mom and my dad had been killed in an automobile accident. So immediately making the plans to go home to take care of the arrangements and everything that's going on there. In the back of my head, I'm thinking to myself, I'm supposed to do show 200 tonight. What am I going to do to the tell the Ohana? What am I going to tell my family? Now, most podcasters would just dump things and leave. And I, I came home, and I was only doing audio at the time, and we got all packed. And I had about an hour before we had to be at the airport, and I flipped on the recorder, and I basically told the, the Ohana, exactly what had happened, where I was going, what, where I would be, and put that up as kind of an intermarry show. Unlike the response I had on show 69, when I came back and checked email after being gone for 10 days, I literally had two or 3,000 condolence emails. So coming back and getting back in the saddle and talking to the Ohana and talking about the, you know, what had happened and all that stuff, it really truly made me feel that the audience and I were 100% connected. And, and so I don't want any of you have to experience uh, a death in the family and have to tell your audience about that to be able to connect. But you got to find a way to have that ongoing tight connection with your show and with your audience and, and really build that engagement. And it was an amazing experience. They were therapy for me when I got home. So trust your audience. Well, you, you have to, you're, you're empowered with a lot of responsibility as a content creator because as I have earphones on right now, and many of you do that are listening right now, you have earphones on or maybe you're listening on your speakers. We are in our audience's head and they have deliberately listened to us. And we have to really understand we are in their brains. We're right there connected as close as you can get without actually physically touching them. So don't forget that when you're doing your shows and respect their time and, and respect their sensibilities and everything that goes along with a lot of the things that people have said tonight already and today over the last 30 hours. I'm probably rehashing things here, but I think if you really can get down to the soul of your audience and understand them and make them understand you, you're, you're going to have a great show. Every, you know, everyone says get down to business on a show. I spend the first 15 minutes just talking about stuff on my show. You can listen to my show. First 15 minutes, we're having a chit chat. Like we're sitting at the coffee table. I'm catching up what happened with my wife, my kids, what's happened in the office, little things that's going on. I talk about that because they're part of my family. 
And the family portion is more important than the content of my show. And a big portion of my audience comes to hear that part. They stay for the rest because they're all geeks. They want to geek out. But you have to find a way to connect. That's the way I've done. If someone doesn't want to listen and learn about me so I can get to know them, what? that's not a relationship. That's not something I want to have with my audience. I want to have this deep, integrated relationship. I really, really do. So let me talk about moving forward and about show 600. So I got this crazy idea. Let's do video. And if I'm in for a penny, I'm in for a pound. And I went hog wild. And luckily, I had a sponsor. I was able to afford a fantastic studio. And any of you have seen my studio on any of the videos I've done, you'll know that uh, it's, you know, I've done, spent a lot of money on this thing. But I was really figuring out after I started the vi- doing the video part that I saw some number drops. I saw the audio audience slipping away. And it wasn't big, a few percentage points a month, but I'd been on a continuous growth point at this point. And I really kind of said, I don't have the ball. Why don't I have the ball? What's going on? Where's the audience going? Well, what it was, I was so focused on the camera that I forgot about the people that I was that was listening to me between the ears. So if you do video, for goodness sakes, do not forget that you're talking to them and the majority of them are not watching you as you're watching me right now. If you forget that, you will destroy your shows. So it took me 50, 60 episodes to kind of figure that out. So, you know, just, you know, that'll, that's a little tip there that you can take to the bank. But what the video podcasting really did is made me a better podcaster. I've never edited ever. I don't edit. Start, stop do a little trimming, and then I make sure it's good, do a little phonic video leveling, and it goes out. That's it. 15 minutes, I'm done. So by doing video, it made me a better podcaster because I had to be better prepared. And I know there's a lot of questions being asked in the sidebar, and I'll come back to those. But be, doing the video made me a better podcaster. I got to quit my day job, luckily, um, eight years ago. That was a big, and I had set a goal. I told my audience, I am quitting when I retire from the Navy. I am going to go full-time as a podcaster. Today, my podcast still pays my salary, keeps the lights on, keeps my family fed. Most people don't know. I do not take a salary from Raw Voice. I take a stipend. It's not a big stipend, but I my show feeds my family. And, and I have to walk the walk and talk the talk, okay? Some people think I'm getting this big executive pay. And now we're paying employees, we're growing, we're putting money back into product. I'll get a paycheck eventually. That's And it's not that they can't pay me, they could. But I'm my sponsor takes care of what I need to do here. So quitting the day job was a big step and it was great. And again, the sponsors helped. And again, uh, talking the talk and walking the walk. Because if I can't do it, you can't, right? If anyone, if any, if, if anyone has an advantage being able to sponsor a show, I do. So it, and, and obviously I do have an advantage because I, I work this every day, so I don't take this the wrong way, but I want to be able to be able to understand the pain that you guys go through and trying to get your sponsors. Now, I've only talked about how much money my show has made publicly. This will be the second time. Um, it's in a, this presentation that I did was, is in a video that I shared with uh, people that have asked me to. It's on YouTube. It's a private video. So if anybody wants to see the, these actual slides, you can email me at uh, geeknews at gmail.com, and I'll share you that link. But over the course of 11 years, my show's made about $1.5 million. I don't want to say that to brag, 
because I be honest with them, old school and talking about money makes me squeamish. And I actually talked about 10 people before I ever told this number the first time. But I want you guys to understand that you can do it. But this is not a short play. This is not something that is done in 10 episodes or 100 or 500. This is a long haul play. And there's a strategy to being able to get listeners to your sites. A lot of people say, oh, I don't need a website no more. You're kidding yourself. I put an article up on podcasternews.com. I want you guys just to go over there tomorrow and read that article. And you'll look at the strategy that I have employed to gain listeners to my show. How do I have a sponsor, the same sponsor for 10 plus years? No one in the podcasting space has the same sponsor for 10 plus years. I have some sort of Guinness Book of World Record. And the reason is, is because I'm able to gain new audience members every episode. And it's because of a strategy that I've employed via my website with content on my website, going to CES, a lot of variables. But that's hard, 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 hard work. And the earnings started small in the beginning and have grown over the years. I had laid out some numbers um, to the audience at NMX, but on average, just my GoDaddy sponsorship alone on average is 8 to 10K a month is what I bring in on that. Again, I don't do this to brag. I'm just telling you that's the type of numbers I'm able to achieve after having that sponsor for 10 years. So I have a strategy that works. A lot of people says, I got a plan. I got the way for you to get new and notable. Forget about new and notable. Create content. Build your shows. Build your audience. Create great content. That's that's what it's all about. Make a connection with your audience. And I'm preaching here a little bit. I apologize if I'm getting into that part. And I won't talk about money beyond this. And I would hope that those of you that are listening to this show tonight, you've gotten this. And maybe some people that listen to this later, but keep this to yourselves. You've been given this privilege of, of, I just don't want this spread around, but I want you guys to know what's possible. Okay. But my wife has always said, what happens if the sponsor goes away? And I thought, hmm, I got to have a plan B. Success is never guaranteed and you can't take anything for granted. So you always have to be innovating. You have to make your show sustainable through a variety of reasons. And people have talked about sustainable models. And I think some of those models are uh, noteworthy, but very challenging. But the main thing is keep connecting with your audience, staying relevant with your content, staying motivated every time you walk up to the mic. Don't be afraid to experiment and uh, um, change it up once in a while. Another thing I want to talk about real quick, and this is kind of the, near the end of this, this deck that I was doing, is that we need more serials. We need more great, successful shows. You know, there's about 300,000 podcasts in the iTunes library total. Most of them are small shows. We have power in numbers of small shows. Small shows have to continue to group up together and work as a collective. Without that, the corporations are going to come in, and they're coming in. And I, I'm a corporate guy, so don't take this the wrong way. But I, those of you that, uh, you know, when the British are coming, the British come with Paul Revere. Well, the corporations are coming. The corporations are coming. And we have to protect this space. And they have very narrow thinking when it comes. They have to have very successful shows, get in and make a lot of money in a hurry. They could care less about the small shows. So everyone has to stay together. We have to group up and we have to protect 
this podcasting space for what it is, for the beauty of what it is and what it does. We want the breakouts for sure, but we all need to watch what's happening. There are some problem areas in space. We have to maintain media buyer trust. So if you're ever working on ad deals, for goodness sakes, do not ever lie about your numbers. Use numbers from a reputable source, PodTrack, Libsyn, Blueberry. I trust those three. One of them's mine, but I trust Libsyn's numbers. I trust PodTrack's numbers, and I trust Blueberry numbers. Anyone else? I don't trust those numbers. Rob knows. Rob over at Libsyn knows. He knows on, on the record. He'll just say the same thing about our stats. He may not want to, but he will. Media buyers' trust has to be maintained. And until other companies come out and say how they're doing it and how they're measuring and how they're filtering, those are the three companies I trust because there's some folks out there that are lying and pumping the numbers in ways that are being devastating to the advertising space. Don't let your show be one of those. We also have to build Android growth. We have to continue to work hard to build Android listeners. If you know, you need to be pushing that on every show. We can grow double the space in the next 12 months if we all push, push, push. For, for more Android stuff. But, and I have one last thing, and this may upset some people, but masterminds are great. But I think that if you work with the community of people that as a whole, instead of getting locked into these small mind group think set, you have to be careful. Okay. You really, really have to be careful on these, some of these masterminds. I'm not saying they're bad, but take data that's valuable from them and also listen and get other opinions outside the space. Okay. Let's continue to do rich, let's continue to create rich, vibrant media. Let's network together. Let's execute, keep moving forward. Steve, I don't know if I hope that didn't get boring. I hope it didn't get boring for you guys, but that was kind of my 10 years. Oh, protect your brand for gosh sakes, have your own.com, have your own feed, control your IP. Don't let the SEO being driven back to another site. If you're on a site, you're sending people to another .com that's not yours, get your own brand. Build your own brand. And I can preach to that for another 10 hours. Uh, but most importantly, respect, value, the ear of your listeners. All right? Okay. This almost may be like the end of the show. But, Steve, had you heard this before? Uh, I know you well enough that um – I could probably listen to this multiple times and just looking at the chat room, we got a wow factor going on. And folks, I also want you to know that Todd was recently inducted into the podcasting hall of fame. Can I show my yes, Yeah. Uh, be damn proud of that because it's well-deserved and this guy knows what he's talking about. And that's why he's leading up this final session of international podcast day and Daniel and Nick, if you're here, if you want to come on in, please. Uh, we can uh, go a little farther here. And, and, and go ahead. I do want to back up, and I'm sure there's some questions here. So I'm gonna. Did you? Were you watching the? I got a few of them, but uh, <clears throat> if you have a question, put a, a slash Q in your question, and they'll pop up. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Todd. It was great to hear that. I didn't get to hear your presentation originally at New Media Expo when you gave that. It's better with the slides and me walking <laughs> around and being jumping around. Mr. Animation. Yeah. You know, I think we pro you probably everyone's heard this all day today. At least I hope they've heard the majority of that today. And, you know, I, I, everyone talks community, community, community. But do they really, has anyone really understood that this is, you're here and it's got to be heartfelt and you got to build the trust? Do you think that's been emphasized today? 
Yeah, certainly. We've had some presentations that have focused entirely on that, conversations focused on building community. I really like the approach, though, that you take is that remembering this isn't just a community. These aren't only your followers. These are your family members and treat them as such. Yeah. I, I just, um, it, it's, it's hard for me to describe. You know, I've known a lot of my listeners for 10 plus years. And some of them I've never met. Now, the ones that I do, they come up and hug me. And many podcasters will have the same experience. It's weird because we meet a listener and they know all about us, but we don't know a lot about them. But within about five minutes, it's like a brother from another mother. You're, 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 you know, you're, you're connected and you're talking the same because this podcasting thing is, it's all about this. Uh, we, I bet you that the, if you, got all of our you know each of our audiences in a room man it would be a great time because we would all geek out be talking about the same things um we'd be you know sharing stuff you know whatever the topic may be and that's what is beautiful about this too often podcasters meet with podcasters and we can talk about podcasting but we really want to talk with our audiences right talking about the growth of community and the strength of the community um, I have a once upon a time podcast and you've, you see the stats, you've used it as an example before I've given you right. that permission. And, um, it's gone down because the TV show is less popular than it used to be. Our audience download size is about half what it was in the first or second season. But the strength of the community is, I think, far more than double or triple. We're getting more now from donations with a smaller audience than when we had a really big audience and we're getting more in the relationships because these people have been with us now for uh, going on five years, following the podcast, communicating in the forums, live chatting during the live shows and the connection between them is wonderful and such a huge value there in those relationships. You know, um, Esprit was asking in the, in the chat, she says, how long, uh, did it take you to go, for me to do full-time uh, revenue? Well, um, the first sponsorship I had, the first 30 days, uh, GoDaddy paid me $300, and they made the mistake. <laughs> they made the mistake of telling me how many new customers I had brought in, and it was something ridiculous, like 400 new customers. I'm like, and you know, I'm just like clicking real quick with the calculator, right, <laughs> on the phone. And I said, well, and her name was Chris, and I love her to death. Um, she's still at GoDaddy. Um, I said, Chris, I think the next three months you should pay me this much. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't three hundred dollars. And she and she and she said yes too quick. So I, I could have added a little more on. Um, but Esprit, to answer your question, full time money in Hawaii, <laughs> um, about three years to be at full time money. Um, now. Granted, when I retired, I did have my military retirement, which is it's a lot in some circumstances. It's, a, it's you know it's public knowledge. I retired as a senior chief with 24 years, and what that equates to is about 26,000 in retirement a year. So if you take my military retirement and tack on my sponsorship money, based upon the money money you've seen that I've made over uh, 10 plus years, um, that will kind of give you an idea. So yeah, about, about three years to get to full-time money. Um, new podcaster from I'm, I'm unafraid. I love that. I'm unafraid. New podcast. What, what features are a must in your website blog? 
Um, it needs to have some branding. It needs to look nice. It needs to be eye appealing. It needs to have content on non-podcasting days. Yes, um, I'm saying you have to blog. You have to write content. You have to give people a reason to come back. That's Todd's formula. Take it or leave it. A lot of people don't. Tie in the social media stuff. All your social media stuff should push them back to your site. But just, you know, you don't have to blog every day. I did. But, and now I pay people to blog. I don't, I write an article here or there when I want to. But it, for many years, I did the grind and I, I grind them out myself. And again, I'm not a great writer, but I was just getting enough information in there more to feed Google than to feed the listeners. It was building search traffic back to the website. So I get 30 to 40,000 hits a day just from Google traffic alone. Sometimes it spikes a couple of weeks ago. We had a spike as high as 200,000 Google searches, but it typically is 30 to 40,000 hits a day that come into the website. Most of those folks come in and get out, but a tiny percentage of them subscribe to the show. And it's, that's what really kind of keeps the new listeners and they may not stay for one or two episodes or they may stay for a hundred, but that's how we add or how I add new listeners to my show. Someone was asking, I do an, an email, uh, and I do it cheap. I use Google groups and a announce only. It's not fancy. It's an exact copy of my, uh, show notes. You can t- look at an example of my show notes at geeknewcentral.com. But I pay zero dollars for my email software. Everyone will say that's a bad way to do it. You need to be tracking engagement and all this stuff. No, I just send it out. They are on the mailing list if they want to be. Some people have different business goals depending on what you're doing, but that's been my goal. Daily podcast. Oh boy. I've never seen a daily podcaster go more than how long did Andy last, Steve? Oh, that wasn't uh, too long. I mean, he made a great stride at it, but maybe three years, four years at the, at the most. Yeah. Yeah. So he did a daily show three or four years. And then he, he said, I'm done. He stick a fork in him. Do it's, it's unsustainable unless you have um, a strategy to do it. You know, no. re, uh, you know, it's, but I don't think you can do five great shows in a single day of recording either. Andy's but, show was uh very unique content or unique content every day, right? Every day. Unique. Yeah. It was slash dot review. So, and Reddit. So, you know, he, uh, and it was uh, very scripted too, but, um, I, I think three a week is a great number. If you can, uh, if you can handle three a week, that's what I do. That's about the, I wouldn't want to do any more than three. What else here? Oh yeah. Esprit's asking you, Daniel, what do you use for donations, contributions? Yeah, I answered in the chat. But I'll say here okay. in case anyone wanted to know. I originally set up my own form with Gravity Forms, uh, PayPal, and Stripe because I wanted to have more control over the way things could work. But I can do that because I am also a web developer, not for hire. Uh, but I could fit that together and made this great system. And I only paid the Stripe or PayPal fees. Now I'm moving everything over to Patreon because even though I make about five to six percent less on Patreon. It's a lot less work for me to work with Patreon than managing my own PayPal system and the accounting with that with recurring transactions every month from 20, 30 different people. Yeah, Patreon's nice for that now. Uh, Garrett's asking for a beginner. What should be my main focus? Content, 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 content. That should be your only focus when you, well, I'll get in trouble saying that. Focus on your content. Content is going to bring audiences in. I want to go back to talking about the the long haul 
And Steve, you're a classic example of this. How long have you been doing your show? Oh, six. So you've been at this uh, nine years and uh, steadily putting out content every week, right? Oh, you better believe it. And, uh, you know, the more and more you go, the more and more you want to do. So the more and more you produce. So, yeah, absolutely. You, you got to keep pushing forward to it and, and uh, just, cre- uh, you know, keep grinding away with it. Oh, there was more questions. I missed them. Uh, O'Marlin said, I'm trying to grow an audience. Should I aim to be on a lot of platforms? Distribution is beautiful. Be everywhere you can be. I think it's a good thing. It's um, it's your brand. You want to get it out there. The more places it can be heard, the better. You know, someone's asking, uh, Success Jay was asking about celebrity guests are better for launch. You know, I'm being honest with you. I'm a little burned out on all these interview shows. We need more storytellers. We don't need more interview shows. We need people telling stories. We need people to be passionate and tell, share what they know, share stuff that they're passionate about. It, to me, now interview shows are just like, you know, I'm, there's, there's too many. And, um, you know, and I know that this is a model a lot of people are using. I'm lucky. My, my, uh, my passion is tech. So it's a lot of new, fresh stuff out every day. But there's a lot of great topics out there that people could get wrapped around and, and build an amazing show from. Um, if you want, if you're dedicated to doing an interview show, if that's what you want to do, then it can't hurt to have celebrities at the beginning. But to be honest with you, if you're at show one, I want to interview like someone that I'm not going to make a mistake on. You know, I'm, I want to do 50 interviews before I have a true celebrity in so that I can have a rapport and have a, a battle rhythm. Um, Mackenzie, she's one of our staff members at Blueberry. We just relaunched the uh, Power Press show. It's in episode number one, or actually two. And I can hear that she has, she's new to the mic. And this is one of the things that we wanted to do. We wanted to show what we, we, we teamed her up with an experienced podcaster with, and her being a beginner and let her lead the show. And our goal is, is to let podcasters understand that when you first start, there's you, it's the battle rhythm has to kind of be found and you have to find your, your mojo. The, the, I don't even want to even think about the first 25 shows I did. Um, heck, I still destroy shows today, even at, you know, 10 years in. Make a long story short here. If you feel very comfortable with the mic and you're very smooth and you have a rhythm and you practice on someone and, and, and listen to that and feel that you're confident, go ahead. But I would wait personally. Well, Todd, I think what I'd like to do, I'm going to unlock the seat that's sure. next to you there. Sure. And for the next 15 minutes, if you want to come in and ask a question or uh, whatever the case may be, uh, please be brief. Uh, we're going to only run this for about 15 minutes. I'd like to get as many people in as we can and uh, uh, have a little chat here with Todd. So if you want to come on, just jump on in. We still got, I guess we got 44 people watching, but I bet you some people left their stuff up and went to bed. (laughs) (laughs) That could be. Someone was asking me, how do I have so much energy? Um, Here's the deal. You get ready to go on the mic. You can be ready to go on the mic. Um, Doesn't matter if you've had a long day. You come in, you're dragging, and you say, man, I don't want to get done to do the show. You get your game on. You put your game face on, and you get ready to go. Um, It's it's not always going to be perfect. But you didn't even want to see what was happening here 15 minutes before that I was getting ready to come on because I wasn't ready. But when you come on, you got to be ready to go. You got to rock. 
And if that requires a Red Bull, <laughs> uh, some iced tea, some jumping jacks, some push-ups, whatever it takes, that's what you have to do. You know, part of what we've been talking uh, throughout this entire national podcast, and it really seems to be a common theme uh, of what people are, you know, really discussing is community. And Todd, you spoke about your father and, and the impact there and what that community of yours really did for you. And I think that's something besides, you know, always worrying about the tech and, and all this stuff is that you really, like you said, have got to talk into that mic to your audience and have that appreciation to work with them. You know, and it, my audience blew me away because this was before there was really a time of good mobile. We were still sinking. You know, there wasn't great internet. So, and I was, you know, my mom ran, a, my mom and dad ran a produce uh, company and we had literally 5,000 bushels of uh, peaches in the barn that had to be delivered. So we worked through our grief. And uh, the, really the first time I came home to check email after that fateful day was the day I arrived back in Hawaii. And you see this, you know, it was, you know, like 2,800 messages. And it took me about three weeks, but I replied to every single one of them. It was incredible therapy. And, you know, like I said, I want people to have to have that sort of a, experience to get to learn your audience but your audience cares about you if you care about them is maybe if you talk a little bit louder i'm Am totally I loud? kidding but no, no we're not <laughs> she wore her vocal cords out from the last session those of you that don't know i i have done um about three or four 24-hour podcasts where i've sat in this seat and did 24 hours straight and i had a guest in every 30 minutes or an hour I may, it, I'm almost motivated to do that again, but I don't know if I can, if I can handle it. Todd, it's brutal. Oh, it is brutal. You, you, you'll be, you'll be hurt for three days. <laughs> All I want right now is something to eat, a beer, and a pillow. He said he wanted to come in. Yeah, come on in, Jason. Hey, guys, me again. Hey, Jason. It's the third session I've jumped in, so I, it's it's like every time I jump in, Daniel jumps out. I think he's, he's sick. <laughs> so uh, this is the time I'm used to seeing Todd at this hour because uh, I pull eight yeah. I pull eight hours and I jump into his chat with the Geek News Show. And you know, from a you know, this isn't necessarily a true podcasting point, but from a listener who I touched on this uh, during uh, Dave Jackson's little session is like what podcasting has kind of given to me is it's, it's opened my eyes to different niches and things that I didn't necessarily have a, a real interest in beforehand. And uh, with, with geek news central, for example, and the new media show, I make a point to listen to a new media show and that, that block of podcasting about podcast stuff on Saturday mornings, you know, you follow Dave Jackson's show and boom, I, you know, mowing my lawn, I come back in, I sit down, new media shows live, but with Geek News, for example, I'm not his avatar. I'm not that type of person. But through podcasting and through uh, getting to know Todd, I met him at NMX last year and using uh, Blueberry uh, for a couple of years. Obviously, I, I mentioned this, that I use both Blueberry and Libsyn for my, my podcasts because uh, both companies have shown such a, you know, a great respect and admiration for those of us. Uh, who, who jumped into the space. So I always say that, but from a geek news standpoint, like as a listener, podcasting is giving, you know, like I'm learning stuff about space exploration that I was like, I was like, what, what the heck, what was that, 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 <laughs> that, um, that glider or something that was a couple weeks ago that was landing in Hawaii. I was like, well, this is interesting. And I'm, I'm picking up stuff. Uh, sorry, Daniel, I haven't gotten into the once yeah. stuff. Uh, I can't quite uh, go there, but I, I, you know, through the tech podcast network that, you know, you guys pitched, I've started to listen, you know, uh, I've listened to the waves of tech. Some, you know, and, and 
you know, Dave and I share a, a mutual, uh, affinity for roller derby. So I, I've checked out some shows in that particular niche, but, uh, from, from just a content consumer standpoint, I've learned so much about things I didn't know uh, a lot about. I mean, Harry was in here earlier on podcast, uh, talking about his show, podcast junkies, which I love. And I think a lot of us, when we talk about shows of podcasting on podcasting, there's so many of them, but a lot of them are different. Uh, you know, I'll get things out of out of Daniel's show that uh, that I won't get on Dave's show, and vice versa. And same with Todd's show, with uh, when you and uh, Rob Greenlee hold the new media show. So uh, I constantly learn. I, I find podcasting is a learning tool. And uh, you know, Todd, one thing you did point out about uh, interview shows, and I'll, I'll kind of take an uh, opposing viewpoint on this because I think that's really dependent upon the niche because. Uh, I, you know, everybody that's, that's familiar with, with my network, which is a uh, bronze sponsor, by the way, bronze sponsor, Matt talk online, gotta throw that in there. But, uh, next year I'll make sure I'm a, I'm a silver Steve so I can get my, my network red every hour on the hour. Like, uh, like, you know, <laughs> you know, station identification here on podcast or on blab, but I, I've put out and I've come up with a concept that I'm doing interview shows for multiple different organizations. So while yes, it's another interview show, um, the niche I have basically kind of craves it because my show with Old Dominion Wrestling is much, much different than the show with Virginia Tech Wrestling. The concept, the layout, the templates are all the same. The content is vastly different because the listeners are completely different. There is very little crossover between those fan bases. So I've niched down within a niche within a niche. So, okay, the broader niche is is, is the sport of wrestling. The next niche is those who follow international wrestling, those who follow college wrestling. They're not necessarily the same fan base. Same with uh, the folks that cover that follow high school wrestling. They don't translate over to college wrestling as much as, you know, like the college basketball fans transfer over to the NBA. It doesn't quite work like that. So um, I've found that the the interview format is what's beneficial with what I'm putting out because uh, with when you're these schools are using it as a podcast as a promotional tool, they're using it as like, all right, this is going to make our program get more exposure because everybody that, that discovers a wrestling fan that has that iOS eight, they're going to realize are now nine or point oh top two, whatever it is right now. I haven't upgraded to O2 yet, but they're. They're discovering podcasting for the first time. They're discovering new shows. So their reach is, of their program is going to get bigger. And that's to an interview show. And like, uh, I'll use my alma mater, uh, Old Dominion, which is, was my guinea pig for this concept. We've had the athletic director on the show. I've also had them with Virginia Tech. You know, think about a podcaster that, that covers college sports or any, anything that wants to have. I had the university president, the university president talking about a non-revenue or an Olympic minor sport. It's not, we're not talking about football or basketball. We're talking about something that doesn't have a huge concept. So go ahead. But Jason, one thing, you know, don't take me wrong. I I think, I think interview shows that have a niche are good. I think interview shows that are broad and how many entrepreneur, more entrepreneur, how many more coaches, Coach shows do we need? Uh, really, you know, it's we need some storytellers. So, I think a niche content is great. I think some of these pigeonholed interview stuff is a little bit saturated. That's just you know, that's my personal opinion um, at this point in the game. You know, and yeah, I, you I can think find, you ahead, can Dan. find ways to do interviews where you're still you are pulling stories out. Like this is one of the reasons I really like Eric Fisher's podcast, Beyond the To Do List. He's talking with people, not only entrepreneurs, not only business owners. Sometimes it's just a mother or a book author. And 
discovering what is their thinking behind their productivity. It's not like he asks them the same questions. There is one question he does ask every guest because he wants to know that one question uh, from right. every the answer to that. But everything else is he has a conversation with them and pulls out what's from them. That's the thing. Yeah, it takes more work, uh, but sometimes the template interview format can be a bit lazy. It works for some people because they've worked very hard at making that template work well for them. But right. for other people, sometimes the template approach is laziness instead of really doing the right thing for your audience. You know, one thing that um, Rob and I do, and you know, I talk about too many interview shows and I do an interview show on Saturday. And the, for me, the inner, you know, the interviews we do with the uh, podcast luminaries is, um, for me, educational. I, and I almost show up to my own show to be a listener, you know, because I'm going to learn from, uh, the guest or learn something new or learn to, you know, learn a tidbit or maybe get an early insight into some release. And what we always tell our guests before we go hand that our formats really loose. And so maybe some people, it goes against maybe a lot of interview rules, but we basically say, Hey, we're going to introduce you and we're going to go. And, uh, maybe Rob and I and each of our heads have formulated maybe five, six, seven questions each. But uh, if we have a great guest, really the, the conversation flows. Now, there are times when uh, the guest maybe isn't as forthcoming. We have to dig it out of them, and those are painful, especially if we haven't done a lot of prep. I'll be going to a Wikipedia page, or I'll be loading a website, and I'll be trying to add content. So you can get caught with your pants down um, if the guest is not super warm or responsive. But uh, most of the folks that we're talking to are podcasters, and luckily are, are comfortable around the mic, and we don't have to... Uh, to dig too hard on them. And one thing I want to jump into about is, is, you know, when a diversity, I've got a niche and you were talking about authors and books about Eric's show is I, I'm finding, you know, I've got the same, I get, I get athletes. I get the big names in our sport. I had uh, one of the, I, I, put, I put out six different episodes of shows today just for podcast day. Uh, last year I launched a show on podcast day. This <laughs> today I put out six different episodes and you know, you know, there was a discussion about the, the celebrity earlier and uh, Nick and I, Nick Superling and I talked in our session about uh, when my opportunity to interview Mario Lopez. And some of this kind of goes against the grain of, you know, viewed as competition in terms of other shows that are similar. If you're getting the same guest kind of thing, like I, I had Mario Lopez, it took me five months to get him on the show, going through agents and whatnot. And I went sure. I was like, all right, I'm going to make sure that you don't screw this one up. And I was noting that I didn't get the big name, Outside of wrestling, um, I, I use Matthew Modine and, and Mario as the uh, the basically because those those are the names that regular people would recognize. And with Modine, I had stuff. It was all about Vision Quest, but he also had this Full Metal Jacket diary that was coming out. And so we talked. We spent a lot of time talking about that because he wanted an opportunity to talk to a different niche of people that probably aren't really up to date on what Matthew Modine is doing 30 years after he shot a movie about high school wrestling. But Mario, I went back and, and like, this is the initial point. I went back and listened to his Howard Stern interview. I went back and watched other interviews that he did on other shows. And I'm like, all right, um, what am I not? What, what fits? Do I follow up on something there or do I just go completely out of it? And in a lot of the questions he was kind of hinting about wrestling on Stern, Stern didn't open the door for him. So I said, yo, well, you were on Stern two years ago. I didn't, I don't think I made a time frame, but I said, you know, on Stern, you were really, uh, you know, positive about the sport, blah, blah, blah. And then he went on to a discussion point that you could hear his excitement. He had not been asked about his high school wrestling career in a legitimate way other than, oh, you wrestled in high school for a long time. And you could see that. So that's where 
uh, you know, people, I don't listen to shows in my niche that are kind of the same style of show, but if I've got that guest that is, that's going to, I need the anchor guest, the big one that's going to bring in some decent numbers. I'm going to do that extra research and listen to whatever else they've done to help prepare. I guess that all goes down to the preparation and that, that to-do list that Daniel likes to pitch with his friend. Hey, Steve, are we uh, going to the top of the hour? Or are we going to the bottom? Where where do we end? Well, I thought what I'd like to do is probably the top of the hour, and I'm going to use the, the second 30 uh, to do a finale and closing, if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. I do want to talk about one last topic that I had on my list I hadn't really kind of talked about a little bit, and the power of networks. And you don't have to build a network. You have to build um, some partnerships. You have to go out and think podcasters, you need to start finding other podcasters that you trust and that you can align with. And if nothing else, promote each other on your shows. Um, I, I do not, I go, I listen, you know, this is crazy. I listen to a hundred new shows a week. Um, and I do that on purpose. And now I've got it where I'm going, I listen to a hundred in a category. Call me crazy, but uh, probably one in a hundred, I hear doing a cross promotion with another show. And it's so valuable to work with other podcasters to cross promote. Um, you're really missing out there when you're not doing that. Some of your audience may move over to that show. Some of their audience may move over to your show. Some of those audiences will listen to both shows. It's usually a net gain. So, you know, do your best to network with podcasters and you don't have to go out and build a fancy, uh, site. You don't have to go out and, uh, do sign a contract. It can get to that point. But initially, just go out and promote each other's podcast. And uh, even if it isn't in the exact same category, if you love someone's show, you'd send them an email, say, hey, I love your show. I'm going to promote your show on my podcast. If you like mine, feel free to do so. There's no obligation. And what you're going to find is there's a little bit of quid pro pro goes back and forth that the person likes. Um, and you'll find that you're going to gain some some listeners that way. So don't be afraid to cross promote other people's podcasts. We've done that for years, Steve, haven't we? platform for that happen uh you know with let's take tech podcast for example sure i mean it, it, it's a great association of, of tech podcasters that actually the three of us are involved with uh it's a community that shares idea and thought uh they, they assist in in cross promotion when it comes to advertisement we all jump in in on the buys to to help the collective group grow and maintain that independence, and also as a community member. So absolutely, it works. Uh, you know, a lot of times in the group, you can fire out a question and get an answer. It's a really great way uh, to cohesively put your arms around each other and say, hey, we're in the same bucket together. Let's help each other. And, and I think that um, we've all become great friends, you know, and, uh, you know, there's when you have, you know, let's be honest, geeks, we don't have no friends. <laughs> you know, we we work at our desk and, uh, you know, we're doing all that stuff all day long. You know, our friends are online. Um, it's just kind of a fact. So it's, it's you know, we all get together at, you know, podcasting events or a convention or something. It's, you know, it's like our, it's our own little private family reunion. It's the time when we can hang out and have a few beers with our, with our friends. Um, and, you know, we're not literally that bad, but it's kind of true with, with, with techie types. We're <laughs> well, and it really is. And over the years, as 
the three of us have got to know each other. We're at various events. You know, we've been to CES together and New Media Expo, and it's always great to rebuild those relationships on a more personal basis, whether it's over a beer or a cup of coffee, or as Daniel always does, I'm going for dessert. I mean, that's all he cares about. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that's how this has really been built. It's something for the remaining days of my life I'm really going to appreciate because they, they are so important in value to me. And I think that's also one of the pillar blocks of why we built International Podcast Day. With that, Todd, I'd, I'd love for you to uh, stick with us on, on this finale. And folks, please, uh, in the chat room, give Todd a great round of applause. The, the man with the experience and uh, reach out to him. Uh, he'll, he's always, well, I won't say always available, but more than willing to help. And if you're not a part of the Blueberry family, please go over there and check it out. And we also have a Patreon campaign, too, to help support PowerPress. It's at uh, patreon.com forward slash Blueberry. It's a little self-pitch there, but we want you all to subscribe to the New Media Show. That's where we want all the podcasters at, so go to newmediashow.com. And uh, thanks for having me on and, and let me stay on here, Steve. It's been fantastic, and I've been excited to be able to do this over the past uh, – I've been looking forward for the past couple of weeks, really.